and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. We have a corrections corner. Yeah, that's all on me. (laughs) What a fun way to start an episode. So in episode 37 about socks, I said something incorrect. I don't know why. I just did. So a listener wrote in to let me know that I said that nylon was a cellulosic fiber. I was incorrect. I misspoke. Nylon is a synthetic. Sometimes you can find recycled nylon in certain yarns, but infrequently. What I was thinking of when I said that was rayon. Rayon is cellulosic. It starts out as a cellulose fiber and then is really processed. So it's not really considered a true cellulose anymore. But FYI, sock knitters, nylon, not plant-based. And that's it. Sorry. I bet I got your hopes up. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are going to talk about making your knits your own and how you can modify in fairly minor ways patterns to make projects exactly the way you want them to be. It's exciting. It is. It's adventure crafting. I think we've talked about this before, where people come in and they say things like, I really like that sweater, I just wish it were longer, or I really like that sweater, I just wish it had short sleeves, or I really like that sweater, but I wish it was stockinette or not stockinette or whatever. Surprise, friends. That sweater (laughs) can be all of those things and more. And your non-sweater projects, too. Like kind of anything that you're knitting, you can make your own with a little bit of customization. Because we see so many knitters coming into the store, we have noticed, y'all tend to fall into groups of personality types. Mm -hmm. There are the pattern followers. And that, for a very long time, and still a little bit, that was me, for sure. I would, I used my little clicker, I was counting every row. If the pattern said to knit for 200 rows, and I wanted it longer, too bad, I was knitting for 200 rows. Follow the rules. Right. There are no rules. Just suggestions. Guidelines. Some people don't even care a little bit about the guidelines. Like the rule breakers. (laughs) (laughs) And we always use our friend Melania as the example for this. She sees a sweater and the pattern calls for fingering weight yarn, but she has some heavy worsted that she wants to use. Great. Now it's a heavy worsted pattern. Oh yeah. Melania doesn't care. If she has like heavier weight yarn than the pattern calls for, she'll just do what she feels like she needs to do to make that work. She'll make the smallest size and it fits how it fits. And she knits like the wind. It goes so fast. So many sweaters that are uniquely hers and they're all fantastic. (laughs) And then of course, there are the designers, the people who are making these patterns. So you either follow the patterns, you throw caution to the wind, or you are creating the content for the rest of the fiber community. Sometimes. Sometimes people are just doing it for themselves. Sure. We get people who come in and they're like, I don't really knit from patterns. I just kind of make the thing, which is not how my brain works. And so I am impressed and a little scared of those people that they're like, I would like a sweater. And with no outside information, I'm just going to make this string into a sweater. Mm -hmm. Those people are amazing. They just do the thing, and it's awesome. A lot of times they're the ones who come in and refer to their patterns as recipes. Yes, and that really makes sense. You have your basic concepts, you've mastered your skills, and you just kind of pull them all together. There are certain components that go into the shape of each garment, and you just make it happen. 
So today we're going to talk about some ways that you can tap into the skill sets that you have worked so hard to build and use your pool of knowledge here to kind of customize the patterns that are available to you. And sometimes you want to do this because you want a different aesthetic choice. Sure. And then sometimes making choices about your pattern comes out of necessity. For example, I have a sweater, my weekender sweater, that if you look at the pattern, it is written for one color. And that is not the case with my sweater because I didn't have enough yardage. Right. And I could have looked at the yarn I had in front of me and said, there's not enough of you. I'm going to pick a different yarn. No. I used that yarn and I grabbed some other yarn and I have interesting asymmetrical color blocking, like just random sized stripes happening all over it. And I love that sweater. Sometimes there are other problems. You've heard me talk about my Tomas sweater <laughs> that is now a Tomas vest. I borked the math on that, thought about it for a really long time, and then decided I didn't care enough to actually <laughs> implement the solution I had come up with. And just finished off the sleeve holes, the armholes, I guess. And now I have an amazing vest to wear. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Mm -hmm. Nothing bad happened because I didn't knit the sleeves for the sweater. I just made it my own project. So really, you just need to bring your curiosity and love of the craft to your knitting when you want to make it your own. Like mm -hmm. you just need to feel confident in your ability to experiment and to evaluate as you go, whether it's like turning out the way you want it to or not. Absolutely. So what are some of the ways that you could change a project to make it be the way you want it to be, even if the pattern isn't exactly what you want? Good question. One of the most obvious ways to change up your project is to engage in some yarn substitution. And you can do that in a bunch of different ways. So changing what yarn you're using can have really big impact on your final result, like certain fibers are more drapey than others. Some yarns will have particular textures when you knit with them, like maybe you're knitting a sweater and it calls for a yarn that's like worsted weight and I don't know, something like the Sweet Georgia Worsted, where it's just a very normally plied yarn, but instead you're like, I have all of this boucle. Ooh, I would like some crimpy curly yarn instead. Nothing's stopping you from using it, even though that's not what the pattern calls for, but now you've got amazing texture going on in your knit with really little effort on your part to have a dramatic effect. Right. I love when you can get the yarn to do the work for you that way. Mm-hmm. Knitting that much texture into your project would be a lot of work and a lot of keeping track of knits and purls, and you can do it, but just get some curly yarn instead. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, stitch definition will be really impacted by what yarn you choose. So I know like sometimes you, you hear people talking about low contrast color work, but like what about low contrast cables? I feel like <laughs> when you have textured stitches, like so often the conversation is hinged on really crisp stitch definition, which oftentimes it's what you want. But what if you wanted kind of soft cables in a shawl or a hat or something? You could use a fiber that had a lot of alpaca in it, and it would be kind of muted and subtle. Right. We've talked a little bit in previous episodes about how, like, if you're going to do texture, you want to be able to see it. But that's not really always the case, right? Maybe that's not what you want. Really, the trick is knowing what your yarn is going to do and choosing yarn that's going to do the thing you want. Mm -hmm. Not so much the knitting police are going to come and make sure that all your cables stand up really far or whatever. 
So while we're telling you to break rules and make your own choices, the one rule I'm going to suggest that you follow (laughs) is to swatch. Or don't and just be open to whatever happens. But I would say if you're knitting something form-fitting, not a shawl, but you want it to fit your body or appendage, knit a swatch and find out what's going to happen before you get 2,000 yards into something. Tin Can Knits has a suggestion, and I think it's really good if you're somebody who's like swatch averse or you're like knitting on a deadline, especially if it's a sweater where you're joining the body to the sleeves, you could knit a sleeve, knit like five inches of your sleeve and use that as your swatch. And then if you're like gauges way off or whatever, you've only knit five inches of a sleeve versus five inches of a body. And if it's on, you've got like a third of a sleeve. Mm-hmm. Smart time-efficient way to do it. What about color? What about how you would adjust with color? I love adjusting with color. We talk a lot about color in episode 26, the Do You See What I See episode. And color is one of those things that's like very different and personal for everyone, but it's easy to play with. It's like low effort changes depending on what you're doing. Maybe you'll see a sweater or a shawl that's knit with a particular palette and just going outside of that color family will make a huge difference in what the aesthetic is. Like if you see something that's done in like really soft neutrals and you're like, now this is my highlighter pink neon yellow sweater, two sweaters next to each other with those different palettes are never going to be confused as the same project. It's not going to be that we both showed up in the same prom dress, even though you've knit the same exact pattern. (laughs) Yeah. And if you think about buying a sweater from like a department store or something, if you are looking at a rack of like the same sweater in six different colors, a lot of the time, the six different colors will all feel like they're part of a palette. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all like the same feeling to the color, even if they're totally different colors. Knitwear doesn't have to be like that. Like if you made it yourself, it could be anything on earth. Mm -hmm. Color blocking. Another easy way to mix things up and change the aesthetic of a piece. If something's knit in all one color, throw in a stripe. Yeah. Use some intarsia and knit yourself a weird shaped panel. You can do exciting things by just adding a second or maybe a third color to a project. So you've done that with not just your weekender. You did that with a flax light, I think. You did stripes. I did do stripes. So Jessica has knit a flax or a flax light more than once. She's knitted a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a great pattern. But at a certain point, if you've knit it more than once, eh, maybe you're going to get a little bored knitting it. So to mix it up, you just change up the yarn whenever you get bored. Now you have funky stripes. It's the best. Yes. And it's an excellent way, like if you find a pattern, not necessarily with flax, but like some pattern that you're like, I love wearing this. This fits me so great, but I don't want the same thing over and over again. This is your opportunity to use that as your base recipe. To go back to cooking, like if you do some sort of, you like eating rice, you know, there are a million different ways to play around with that as like your base recipe. So you can mix it up with your pattern and really fill out your closet. High contrast and low contrast color work. We were talking about this a little bit too. I love low contrast color Mm -hmm. work. I like secrets in your project, and so I think it's really neat to do color work that you have to be paying attention to see. I enjoy that a lot. But it does give a very different feel than like the really high contrast, you know, this is white yarn with the black triangles all over it or squares or whatever, right? 
Very different than black and charcoal being next to each other. Which is Karen's jam. Yes, very much. Extremely. And it's great. Another thing you can do is change the color work in your sweater pattern. Maybe you're just feeling like you don't want to do it. You're knitting a color work pattern, you get to a point in a chart and you're like, hmm, not so much with these instructions or this particular design element. Leave it out. Yeah, so I'm working on my Cladonia right now, Mm -hmm. which is gorgeous, but it has something I had never done before, which is color work in the short rows at the back of the neck. Exciting. It was an adventure because (laughs) my, so my brain was not engaged. And to be fair to the designer, her instructions were clear. It's like when IT support says the problem exists between the keyboard and the chair. The problem existed between the pattern and the needles in this case. Because you have your short row section, and then she had had me place stitch markers for either side of where the color work was going to be, and I ignored that completely. I was like, it doesn't matter why these stitch markers are here. And I was trying to do the color work across the entire short row section, and the numbers weren't lining up. I was just not doing this correctly. If I had wanted to, and I was almost to this place, I was like, what if I just didn't do this color work? Nothing bad would happen. I would just not have three flowers on the back of my neck. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And the flip side of that is you can add pops of color work anywhere you want to. Absolutely. Give yourself a sweet little detail on your sleeve. Okay, so what about texture? Texture is amazing. Texture is fun. And I think easier to add or take out of a pattern even than color work. You've got a sweater or a shawl or something that's got like big sections of stockinette and you're like, this is a snooze fest. It's not holding my interest. I need something to spice this up a little bit. You could add a cable. You could add some eyelets. You could add a little section of lace chart that you happen to enjoy working on and just kind of add some interesting detail to a section of your project or the whole thing. Do you remember Isabel Kramer's Pearl Code sweater? Yes. So if you're not familiar with this sweater, it is a top-down raglan pullover. And she suggests that you use Morse code and use pearl stitches to write messages into your sweater that only you know about. Secret secrets. Yeah. I loved knitting (laughs) that so much. I loved it so much. It's really fun. And I think if I ever knit it again, I would do more texture than I did. I, I didn't do a ton. Like I would do all my little secret codes closer together. But if you want to play with this, that would be a really great sweater to try because the pattern gives you permission to do exactly this thing. If you are somebody who are like, you're a pattern knitter, Mm -hmm. it's in the pattern. You can do it. If you're a rule breaker, do it on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Ribbing's also a fun way to play with, with texture in your knits. There are lots of different types of ribbing, like not just one by one ribs. So you can alter what's in the pattern on your cuffs or the brim of a hat or a hem, your socks. Socks are a great place to play with this. As long as you have a stretchy rib that has bounce back, mix up what combination of stitches you're using to kind of create the aesthetic effect that you prefer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, ribbing is really kind of a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Twisted ribs, three-by-ones, brioche is yeah. a type of ribbing. 
So just as a little bit of an aside, can we talk about why all knit garments have ribbing on them? Well, not all, but why it's such a convention for knit garments to have ribbing on them. What happens if you knit just a flat square with no ribbing? The edges curl. Yeah. If it's a stockinette one, yeah. So the ribbing on your sweater or your hat or your scarf is serving a function in that it's keeping that edge of the fabric flat. And also it's a design element. But once you realize, oh, it's not a design element first, I mean, it is a design element because the sweater isn't one that curls on the bottom or whatever, right? But once you realize that, oh, I just need to do something that's going to make the edge of the sweater lay flat, the hem, the neckline, whatever, then you can just roll with whatever comes to you. The world is your oyster. (laughs) And you could do that with any type of fabric. You could add eyelets or seed stitch in place of stockinette and moss stitch in place of stockinette. We see that more often. Again, it's the recipe knitters. Mm Mm-hmm. To plug and play. Yeah. To choose your own adventure book. Totally. They'll be like, oh, I'm doing this in seed stitch. I tend to personally, like when I think about a sweater, sure, once it's done, you can be like, yeah, that's seed stitch. But as I'm knitting it, I tend to think, oh, it's a this row, this row, this row. You know, like I'm knitting this row, I'm purling this row, I'm knitting this row, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not how the recipe knitters think about what they're doing. Kind of a side note about adding lots of texture to your knits. This may impact your yardage. Yes. So just be aware. We're telling you to like get wild with your projects, but also you might need an extra skein depending on what you're choosing to do. Yeah. It may also affect your gauge. So whatever wild thing you think you might be planning to do, do it in your swatch. Knit the swatch. (laughs) So what about alterations? That's another way to customize your knits. Sure. So in episode 19, it was called Find Your Fit. And then in 36 that we interviewed the designer behind Swanky Emu Knits. We've talked a little bit about fitting your body. Sometimes you don't need to go that intense. Sometimes it's just as simple as I have a long torso. Jessica has a short torso. I have relatively short arms. Jessica has long arms. Sometimes it's just keep knitting. Right. (laughs) Or it's time to stop. Yeah. Right. Or maybe you are somebody who has a squarer waist and you get to the waist shaping and you're like, man, the six inches between waist shaping are my least favorite part of any sweater because when I wear it, that actually touches my body. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Great. Don't do it. Yeah. Just it comes down to knowing what you like to wear, how you like to make your projects fit you and learning about what adjustments you can make to achieve the results that you want. Yes. And once you know that, you can kind of plug that information into anything that is like fitted to your body. Totally. It does sometimes, and we've talked about this before too, it does sometimes mess with your stitch count number. If you're going to do that, you need to take a look at what the designer is working on and make sure that you're going to end up with a stitch count that is the right multiple for what they're doing. If their ribbing is 2-2 at the end and you want to do 2-2, you need to end up with a multiple of four or you're going to get there and be like, ah, or do a different ribbing or do a 2-1. It's up to you. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of designer choices, what about specific techniques like cast-ons, cast-offs? This is one of my favorite ways to go off pattern. As a knitter, you spend years of your life developing new skills. 
we've both been knitting for decades. I'm still constantly learning new things, new techniques. I'm having to look up videos. Like there's always something interesting and new or something really old that I had no idea existed that I get to learn about. So I've got this toolbox and then the internet is like my endless reference resource, as well as asking other knitters things too. But if a designer writes a particular technique for doing something into their pattern, on some level, that's there because it's to, you know, create a short row or there's a two by two rib or whatever it is, it's to create an effect. But also they're using that particular technique because maybe it's their preferred method. Like you have to pick one to be able to write instructions that someone else can follow. But that doesn't mean it's the only thing that will get you the end result that you want. Like, for example, short rows. I see lots of patterns that use wrap and turn short rows. And you couldn't pay me to knit a wrap and turn short row. (laughs) I don't care for them. And I really like using German short rows. So when I see that in a pattern, I just plug in the method that I like using. And it's a great way to make the process more enjoyable for me when I'm making something. Right. And so sometimes you will see choices like what type of short row, and that will often be dictated by when the pattern was written. Mm -hmm. I think like German short rows have become more common more recently. So if the pattern's more than, I'm going to pick a number, six years old, you are probably going to see a wrap and turn short row. Oh, well. It's not generally a good practice to assume that a designer doesn't know more techniques than they've put on the page. That being said, it's possible that at the time that pattern was written, the designer was not familiar with a technique that would serve their own pattern very well. I was at craft night last night, Mm -hmm. and actually one of our podcast listeners was telling me about, and I'm going to blank on the name of it, but it was an Estonian colorwork technique that was new to me, absolutely new to me. It's gorgeous, and now I want to make something. Short way of describing it, it's basically the background color is in stockinette and then the color work is like drop stitch with the drop carried in the front. And so if you picture what the reverse side of your garment looks like, it's that with color work. Stay tuned for a future episode where we'll talk about that more because I was like, I've had 12 hours to absorb this information and I'm like obsessed with this information. How much color work do we do? And neither of us had ever come across that. There's always things out there. There's things for everyone to be learning all the time. If you have a technique that you would prefer to use, go ahead and use it. And tell us about what techniques you like to use, because maybe we don't know about them. Right. And we love learning new things. The one exception, and I've mentioned this before, is when it's like a tubular cast on or a provisional cast on, and you're like, I don't want to do a provisional cast on. There was probably a reason that it was a provisional cast on. And you're going to be upset when you get to that part of the pattern and you have to rip back. Yeah. You just have to find the type of provisional cast on that you like. So don't be scared. Customize your knits. Make it how you want it. Because like we tell you all the time, that is the whole point. That's why we do this. <laughs> you can always rip it back. Mm-hmm. Or if emotionally you can't rip it back, find a friend who really likes ripping out knitting and have them do it for you. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can bring an entirely finished garment into the store and Jessica will throw it on the winder and rip it back in one big swoop. Mm -hmm. I'll give you back wound yarn so you can make something else. (laughs) (laughs) What's on your needles, Jessica? I've got my sweater that I'm almost done with on my needles. Yes. Like I am up into the shoulders 
and maybe the next time we talk, it will be cooler outside and I will be wearing my cardigan. We'll see. I also wound some yarn last night to knit socks while I was at the farmer's market. And then it was like a heat index over 100 and super, super muggy. And I didn't touch the yarn at all. I looked at it sometimes, though, and thought, why did I bring this out here with me? (laughs) Right. You're not going to be on my needles. You know what? It's because we had those exciting bags. Yeah, we got cool bags yesterday that Karen found for us. So she has an Etsy shop, Homebody Fibers, and they're called Everywhere Bags. The bags are on a strap that you could wear over your shoulder or around your waist like a fanny pack. And they have just like, they're enough for one or two skeins and they have like a drawstring closure. They're really adorable. I think you can only get them from her. But we just got ours yesterday and we were both like, I want to knit on the go. I want to just like walk around knitting. I'm going to do it in the shop later today. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. They're wicked cute. And I think she does them like drops. Like she'll open up orders for a while and then she'll fill her orders. So keep an eye on, I think her Instagram is probably the way to like know when she's going to do that if you're interested. We'll link to her Instagram in the show notes. Sweet. Yeah. What's on your needles, Karen? My Cladonia. I cast it on. I'm going to try to wear it to India Untangled. So I've dropped everything else and I'm just working on this as fast as I can, which is not very fast. (laughs) (laughs) And partially because it's a million degrees, partially because my hand is still the way it is. And partially because, I don't know. Because it's a full body color work sweater and fingering weight yarn. Right. There's that. Uh Uh-huh. I thought I was being really clever before craft night last night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to print these charts. Uh Uh-huh. We only have a black and white printer, and it is, it is three-color <laughs> color work. Oh, womp womp. I made a mistake. Yeah, you can't do that with three-color color work on black and white only printer. So I used my phone. I really love that sweater, though. I'm excited about it. And I did get my three flowers in the back of my neck. It's going to be gorgeous. Hey, Jessica. Yes, Karen. Are you ready? Oh, I don't know. Are you ready for a letter? Yeah, let's do it. Today's letter comes from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. I have just returned back to knitting after several years away. My journey began with yarns from big box stores, but now I want to move toward higher quality natural fiber yarns. However, I'm a busy stay-at-home mom with two small children and on a budget. I want my future knit garments to be used in my everyday wardrobe. How do I pick quality yarns that will stand up to everyday use but not break the bank? That's a great question, Sarah. So first of all, nice yarn doesn't have to be super expensive. True. There's lots of great quality wools out there that are not going to make you decide between groceries and yarn. It is an accessible thing. You just have to do a little bit of looking. And I think that your number one resource, because like, really, I have no concept of what your budget is, or specifically the fiber content that you're looking for. Your number one resource is your local yarn shop. You should be able to go to the store, or if they have a website, check out their website if you don't feel comfortable going to the store at present because of whatever circumstances are like in your community. Or give them a call if they are a place that has a telephone. We're not. We don't have a phone. (laughs) 
But like find a way to reach out to your local yarn shop and talk to them about what you're looking for for your projects. What price point, what types of things you want to be making. If you're looking for yarn for projects for yourself that are like natural untreated wool, they should have some great options for you. If you were coming to us, we might point you to like the wool stock from Blue Sky or yarns from Harrisville like Highland or Shetland which are different weights, but similar fiber, that are not at very expensive price points. They have great color ranges and are just really nice to work with. Your local shop will help direct you to superwash options for you because you've got kids at home. Ease of laundering might be important to you in your garments, and they should be able to help you identify what will best meet your needs. It can be overwhelming to shop online and not be able to touch the yarn and just see like endless options. And if there's not a lot of information, it can feel unclear why one skein is $12 and one skein is like $36. That's a big price difference. But both of those yarns are really well suited to something, Mm -hmm. you know? So there are things out there that are going to be great for you kind of no matter what your budget is. If you are looking for Superwash specifically, Rios. We actually don't carry Rios, but Malabrigo Rios is like, we joke about how it's like the gateway indie. It's not even really that indie anymore. It's hand-dyed. Yeah, gateway hand-dyed yarn. It is soft. It is always nice. It's wool. It's not acrylic. And it's like somewhere in the neighborhood of $15 a skein. So it's not going to break the bank unless you're knitting like a, I don't know, wedding dress or something, right? With like Mm -hmm. a big train behind it. Sometimes... If you are part of like a local knitting group, or you might find that there is something like a knitter's guild in your area, sometimes knitters do things like de-stash sales or swaps. And that's a good place too to like experiment and find different yarns that you maybe won't encounter in your local shop because they don't carry it. But someone's got it in their stash and it's nice yarn and they're just looking to get it a new home. And you can experiment and figure out what you like and don't like, and it's not going to cost you a ton of money because people are like trading or just trying to filter things out of their stash. Right. You can also touch everybody's hand knits at like a knitting group. Like if you're Mm -hmm. sitting in a circle and you've got six other people sitting there working on something and you're like, ooh, you can just see what they're working on. I'm making a really scary hand gesture right now. Karen is wildly waving <laughs> the but, paw in the air. Right, but like you can you can see what you like. That's a good way to like experience different yarns without actually having to buy different yarns. Having contact with knit pieces. Probably ask. Probably. Probably ask if you can <laughs> pet someone's knits, especially if they're wearing them. Right. I mean, fair. Yeah. But if there are shop samples in a shop, you don't have to ask the mannequin if you can touch it. True. This is true. <laughs> But I would say ask questions. You can reach out to us. We'll be happy to answer things like more specifically. But ask questions of whoever your purveyors of yarn are in your area, and they will help you find a good match within whatever budget you have and help you create long-lasting pieces for your wardrobe because your finances and your time and your skill are all precious. (laughs) Absolutely. And like the longevity of your project is really important when literally any of those are not infinite, which whose are, Mm -hmm. right? None of us have infinite time and infinite finances. And what was the other one? 
your skills. Yeah, you and d- infinite skills. I mean, I mean, we all have infinite skills. You have infinite skills. <laughs> the infinite skills is why we don't all have one of the other two. Because you can't have all three. If you had all three, you would float off the planet into space or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> so hopefully that's a little bit helpful, Sarah. We're excited to find out about what you're going to knit. Can we do a make-along check-in? Let's check in. It's done, friends. It is, as of today. Yeah, it's over. And y'all are amazing. And you've made so many cool things. Check the hashtag on Instagram or look at the highlights to see pictures of all of your amazing projects. The winner of the Make Good Made Along will be announced today on Instagram. So go look at the grid because we are going to post a picture of the amazing project. And if you are that person who's winning, check your DMs because we will message you and get you your $150 gift card to scratch. It's pretty exciting. Thank you so much for knitting with us all summer long. Y'all really crank things out. So good. We are going to wait until after Rhinebeck to do another knit along. It's super right around the corner. Right. It's really soon. Mostly we're waiting because now we have like a community-wide make-along that's happening, which is a Rhinebeck sweater. Whether you're going or not, everybody wants to knit a new sweater for the fall. So we want to give folks space to do that. And then we'll do another. We'll do something fun for late fall. Yes. Deep fall, as we tend to see it called in Fiber World. (laughs) It's the deep fall collection. It's because literally everyone is like, can we wear the sweaters yet? Can we wear the sweaters yet? More sweaters. More sweaters. When we were at craft night last night, it was a heat index of 103. So hot. And there was a a woman who joined from the other side of the country who was like, well, I can see from what you're wearing that it's not yet sweater season in New Hampshire. And we were (laughs) like, oh, we're not ready for this. We're not sad. We also just announced the winners of the Indie Untangled tickets. We notified those folks via email, and we tried to notify everybody who didn't win also, just so you would get an answer either way. If you didn't see an email from us, A, look for it, and B, you can let us know, and we will check for sure to make sure that you did or did not win a ticket. Congratulations to the five ticket winners. We'll see you in October, which Ah. is uh, weirdly soon. Yeah. I think we should make a plan to try to meet everybody who won tickets or who is listening to this and who will be there. Maybe we'll do some kind of make good meetup. Yeah. We'll be at India Untangled. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking Rhinebeck? Probably Rhinebeck. So just to be totally transparent with everybody, we are definitely going to India Untangled. We have tickets to Rhinebeck. We are aware that there's a non-zero chance that the number of people who will be at Rhinebeck is going to feel too overwhelming. And that may be, we will not actually go, but we really want to (laughs) go. So yeah, we're playing it by ear still, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think that's it for this week. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your audio podcasts. I think we're everywhere at this point. You can follow us on Instagram at makegoodpod if you want to see what we're up to. Tell your fiber friends. Rate and review us so other knitters that you don't know can find us easier. Send us letters. You can write to us via email, dear scratch <laughs> at scratchsupplyco.com, or shoot us a DM. We're checking all over. We'll hear from you, and we're excited to answer your questions, or hear your stories, or see your pictures. Get in touch. Bye. Bye.